you can still get a sense of what's going on. And we're streaming live on Periscope, and we might even be live on YouTube. We're not entirely sure. We'll figure that out later. <laughs> Christopher Avery's here. Thanks for coming by. Thank you, Avery, for having me. So you gave a talk on Monday yes. about four characteristics of good goals. Can you talk a little bit about what that's all about? Certainly. Uh, first of all, I was really honored to be chosen to kick off the leadership track. Uh, okay. I have the keynote on Monday, so that was a great way to get started. A great way to get started. And a great theme for people for the rest of the week. Too. A, good, a good theme for the rest of the week. And yeah. people were very excited about this session. Um, so the four characteristics of good goals is one of numerous models that are emerging from my work with the responsibility process. Okay. So the responsibility process so we should is, talk about that first and yeah. show them the book. Right. So the responsibility process is also the name of the book, okay. which will be in italics when you see it in writing of the, of the formal name of a book. Okay. The responsibility process is a model uh, that describes the pattern in our minds. Okay. It's only been discovered over the last 30 years okay. that allows for us to have the first how-to approach for understanding, taking, and teaching or coaching personal responsibility. Okay. So for eons, experts have said you should take personal responsibility, 100% personal responsibility in your life if you want to succeed. What does that mean? Well, what that means is to break it down, and this really helps, because it turns out these are a series of, of coping states, mental coping states. So when things go wrong, uh, and people listening to this are, are experts in change, and what you know is that we don't change rapidly, especially on larger changes. Okay. So it, it gets to our identity, it gets to our emotions, we have defensive resistant brain, right. uh, we want to hold on to what we know how to do. So the idea might be, in terms of a evolutionary biology or psychology of why we have these coping mechanisms. It's probably to keep from going insane. Okay. Right? To have buffering mechanisms so that we can learn at a rate we can learn. Where you can process it. Okay. Right? Where you yeah. can process yeah. it. So these mental states. You should tell them what they are. Right. Starting at the, I'm not going to talk about denial. You can go learn more about that. In red, <laughs> you enter this model at labeling. So it turns out, Dave, every time something goes wrong, yeah, they keep um, making bigger smalls there, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, right. or even I saw a great video of um, a toddler, a baby, crawling across the floor. No, not crawling, standing, like maybe just within two or three days of learning to walk. And a cat reached out and, and hit this baby's leg as it walked past. And the baby fell down and turned around and pointed at the cat. Right. right. So. You know, what I try and impress upon people is that these are hardwired into us. Yeah. But they're also conditioned, so there's both okay. nature and nurture. Okay. Right? And so every time something goes wrong, we start at blame, like that little baby turning around and pointing at the cat, Stupid cat for, yeah. for its little anxiety about falling down. And blame, the cause-effect equation is that I'm in the position to be fact, I'm a victim. Right. Right. And the cause is a person or an entity, thing. company, manager, right. something like that. And even though we've been told our whole lives we shouldn't do this, the truth is it's hardwired, it's human. And we're not bad learners. Um, it's a protection mechanism in us. Um, so if we buy the answer that our mind hands us in blame, then we actually use our intelligence to stay stuck. Okay. If we don't buy the answer, we move up the chart. Okay. So the next one is justify, which is an excuse, which is instead of individuals or entities, it's a set of circumstances. 
Okay. So that'd be like the first one would be that cat knocked me down. The second one would be I fell down because of the cat. Or is it different? Yeah, or you know, I, I fell down because we have too many gang animals around here. Okay. Or okay. I didn't make it on time because of the traffic. Right. We didn't pass the sprint because they keep distracting us and asking us to think about other things. Absolutely. Or, you know, one of the most common justifies is I didn't have time. Yeah. I was talking with Joyner often about writing this morning. Well, here's my excuse for not writing. Yeah. I don't have time. I had travel. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And the number one justify that I deal with in organizational culture change, which is huge, multi billion dollar justified, is that's just the way it is around here. Yeah. Well, we're different. We're special. Whatever. Okay. So if you refuse to buy your story. Before you go on, I just want to. Make sure that the connection is clear because at the individual level, which is where you're talking about it, but it's the same pattern of organization or similar pattern. Well, we we buy and sell these ideas to each other very easily. Okay. Right. Okay. So you say to somebody, I didn't have enough time, and you say, Yeah, I know what you mean, instead of saying, Are you, well, hearing, then, yeah. are you hearing what you're saying? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when you understand this, it gives your team or your organization language okay. and a core organizing mechanism to make sense about what's going on. Okay. An example would be um, every audience I speak to, I ask them, uh, have you participated, colluded in a months-long conflict with meetings after meetings after meetings of right. 5, 10, 20 people that never get past blame and justify? Yes, of course they have. Yeah. And how many millions of dollars did you spend colluding in that? But it's easy to kind of wallow or get, get caught up in the dance of that because it makes you, I don't want to say feel better, but it gives you a place to put the angst and it feeds itself. This is venting. Yeah. And venting gives you temporary relief from the anxiety. Right. From the sugar. Temporary. Yeah. Right. It's like a sugar hit, but as long as you never address the real problem, right. you're going to stay there and you're going to always need more temporary relief from that. Right. So what we say is below the line, we talk about our problems. Okay. And above the line, in the mental state of responsibility, we actually get ourselves to work with taking ownership of our lives and learning to overcome whatever challenge or obstacle it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so it's a so it's my favorite. Shame, yeah. shame and obligation. You should help that with shame. I got that. Shame. Yeah. Well, that's all that's where you <laughs> and I and all of our audience lives. Yeah. Right. We've all grown up with the message that we shouldn't blame and justify. Right. And when we start learning this model get really good at getting off of blame and justify pretty quickly. Right. But we get trapped in shame and obligation and quit. And the reason is we've been conditioned our whole lives to be responsible people. Okay. And, and, and being responsible means I suck because. Means being responsible means um, uh, I'm admitting my okay. mistake. Right. Good boy, Dave, you're taking yeah. responsibility. Right. And then but then I got the shame thing. Right. And then you wallow in that and we and, and I reinforce that. Yeah. Oh good boy, you're taking responsibility. Suck less next time. So all of these words are alternative words for responsibility in our society. Okay. And all this all this chart is doing is saying, no, let's not use this word. Let's not use this word anymore for this. Okay. Right? So it was the cat's responsibility that I fell over. Oh wow, okay. It was the traffic's responsibility right. that I'm late. Yeah. Right. Okay. <clears throat> um, so you've been rewarded for beating yourself up.
from making mistakes. Like but, a lot of so there's religious, there's, so we said this about nature and nurture, yeah. right? So there are many religious uh, dynamics yeah. around shame, for sure. Yeah. There's also a male-female dynamic. Yes. Females tend to exhibit more of this, yeah. and men love to reinforce that in right. our society. But it turns out men have just as much as women do. We just okay. don't talk about it as much. We don't let it out. We don't let yeah. it show. Yeah, because we're men, right? Um, and in terms of cause-effect logic, what happens in shame uh, is that it's like the sorting mechanism looking for an answer that you'll accept. Uh, you did a, a external cause, external cause. Right. Well, let's flip that. Turn it internal. Internal. Right. So shame is just labeling oneself. Okay. That's all it is. It's the same thing as blame, except instead of an external, it's internal. So it's still not productive. Which does seem to me to be more. Um, Maybe responsible to it, but I guess a more mature way. Like, I, I always like if something goes wrong and I want to blame somebody else, the first thing I have to do is to look at myself because what did I do causes this thing not what did they do? And that at least feels like a more mature way to do it, but maybe not healthier. So it's higher on the chart. Okay. <laughs> which which we think, I mean this is a hypothesis of why why are these mental states designed in this hierarchy? We think it has to do with computational effort. Okay. Yeah, the amount of brain power you have to put into it. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> the, the thing is, if you're asking yourself, what did I do to cause this? There's a difference between doing that from this mental state and from this mental state. Okay. Right? From this mental state, you're shaming yourself, you're feeling bad. Right. Right. You're still taking that sugar hit, though. You're still taking that sugar hit, right? But the thing is, you're not in a place of clear thinking. You're not You're not. In a, yeah. True problem solving mental state. Okay. You're in a coping mental state. Okay. And you're going to do the least you can computationally to kind of um, cope okay. that time. If you decide to stop beating yourself up, right. which we have a great shortcut for that, which is if you're human, you beat yourself up. So if you're beating yourself up, there's nothing wrong with you. Okay. You're just right. in a mental state of shame, yeah. which is hardwired into all of us. Okay. And so if you can ask yourself, what if there's nothing wrong with me? Instead of asking yourself, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Right? If you ask yourself, what's wrong with me, your brain will kick in and start making a big long list. <laughs> and I recommend you don't write it down or listen. Okay. <laughs> All right. So how do we get to the next stage? Yeah. So if you, if you simply decide to quit beating yourself up because you're human right. and you're normal and there's nothing wrong with you, then you land in a mental state called obligation, which is uh, and whatever I'm doing, because we're seeing our daughter starting to do the same thing, whatever I'm doing, which I want to do, I'm still thinking, oh, I should have something. Mm -hmm. So somewhere between those two, I'm still right. flagellating myself over the fact that I'm not doing the other thing. I'm stuck in traffic, not I choose to be in the traffic right now because I want to get out. I can help you with that. Help me with that. Well, that's what uh, that's what we do at the Leadership Gift Program okay. with our work. Is we help you essentially learn to identify these mental states. So we have three keys to responsibility. Okay. Um, before I get there, let me just a little bit more with obligation. People yeah. ask me, Christopher, what's wrong with obligation? Isn't that how we design work? Right. Isn't that how uh, achievement-oriented people behave? Yeah. Um, and again, my answer is there's nothing wrong with it. It's human. Right. It's built into us as a mental state for coping with upset, with anxiety. Uh, 
when we don't know exactly how to learn up real quickly. Um, but the, the two issues are that in the mental state of obligation, your performance is very adequate to your task. Okay. So when you're doing this thing, your mind is on that thing, right? So in, is it and fair to this? And there's one other thing in obligation. Okay, and I'll wait you that. And that is that you're building up this, this resentment towards whatever it is that you think that's your trap. Okay. That's why you hate the traffic, or hate the mortgage, or hate the boss, or hate the job. Now or I have some questions. All right. <laughs> if, um, well, I'll go with the first one. So when you're talking about, so I interviewed Adam Weiss by yesterday, we are talking about this seems sort of like stages towards a more mindful approach to being present with whatever you're doing. Is that okay? Um, and I forgot what I was going to ask about the patient, but I'll come back to it. Which I'm now shaming myself. There's a huge, that's all right. <laughs> I suck. There's a huge okay. correlation between the mental state of responsibility and mindfulness. Okay. Absolutely. Or flow. Okay, yeah, all right. Okay. Um, so that's the responsibility process. And in the mental state of responsibility, the cause-effect logic opens up in a way that you realize that you're a complex, adaptive system that can figure out how to overcome anything. Okay. Anything, as long as you're alive. Okay. Lost a limb, there are people out there saying, hey, this is just a little inconvenience. Right. Lost all the skin off your body. Right. There are people out there saying, Get to live, yeah, right. could be worse. Uh, and making you know, making great value, great purpose out of their lives, yeah. Um, so responsibility means the ability to respond, and um, the uh, the great uh, concentration camp survivor uh, who wrote um, mankind's search uh, search for meaning uh, said, in between stimulus and response, there's a space. Okay. And in that space, it's choice. That's uh, so. That's what I was just going to ask you because it is to me about your. Cho I'm choosing to do that, taking that because that's what switches it for me. I'm choosing to do this thing. My wife never feels bad about not doing the stuff she's not doing because she's. She says I've chosen to do this over everything else, and she so, can celebrate that, which is a lot healthier. <laughs> so just just apply what you know about backlog management. Prioritization and whip yeah. to the concept of you know what you commit to, right? And you'll work it out. But you're this is this is if you're talking about one individual in an organization, the whole management layer, you're gonna have to find a, to co a way to collectively work through. And we do more complicated. And we do by getting um, much more mindful about the fact that that we're all human. Right. That things go wrong multiple times every day. Yeah. That this process it gets triggered in you and me multiple times. Every day. And we shouldn't feel bad about the fact that it triggers because it's normal. That's right. So, okay. yeah, there's an important dynamic there, which is since most of us have been taught we should be responsible people, we do feel bad when we catch ourselves down here. And part of the game is to feel great when we catch ourselves down here. Well, because the alternative is to be here and not know it. That's, that's very true. Right? That's one of the things that we're going to bring up. But you're not saying, I think, whether it's mind, calling mindfulness or whatever, this, I can see where a lot of people would look and say, I shouldn't ever even have these stages anymore. I should just be so, you know, enlightened or whatever that I can automatically go straight to the other. But you're saying that's. And that's because, that's because of what I call a cultural trance of being raised to be responsible, which okay. really means to be good 
right, according to our beliefs, our ethics and norms. Okay. Right. Um, and and so, as I said, professionals, we this is our this is our brotherhood. This is where we live uh, because we've been you know we're ambitious, we're well educated, we're smart. Right. You know, we're going for to ring the bell. We're not going to deal with the people down in the red. We're not terribly toxic. We 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 land and stay there a little bit yeah. all the time. Okay. But we recognize the easier once we start running this. Okay. Um, so we call the mental state of responsibility the place of freedom, choice, and power. Okay. So your wife's not feeling bad about the things she didn't get to and explaining to you from a very sounds like a very aligned, very congruent state of I made choices. Yeah. So we call responsibility the Where's the guilt? Where's the self-hatred? <laughs> that worked out my kid. That's fuel. So that's so the sugar kid to me, there there is a certain and that might be horribly dysfunctional, and maybe this touches on it, but that mm. I suck is fuel for a lot of people. Sure. It's the thing that drives you like Star Trek, I like my pain, I need my pain. That's the thing that pushes you. So in so in blame and justify. There are no results. Okay. In shame and obligation, we get unsatisfying results because in blame and justify, we're venting the angst, and the angst is going out. In shame and obligation, the angst is going. It's gas in the tank. Right, it's gas in the tank. <laughs> yes. and, and one of the things that psychology has proven over and over is that one of the ways that we alleviate anxiety is to get into action. Okay. Right. Now the question is whether that action is truly effective or not. And healthy, yeah. And healthy, yeah. Yeah, but it alleviates anxiety, right? So, so you know, I was talking to Josh Karajewski from Industrial Logic uh, a few weeks back, and he says, you know, when I get stressed, I go for a long run. Yeah. And well, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You gotta burn it off. Burn it off. Yeah. Um, and so you only get results that matter from the mental state of responsibility, and that's why this is so important. Agile, okay. because of self-organization, self-leadership, yeah. owning it, right, um, owning impediments, confronting impediments, right. all of that stuff. So there's a lot of people who believe that, and that's the coaching level too, not just I am a team member, the better, but it's those, it's management, it's the team, they don't get it. That's why we do it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know, in, in organizations, um, uh, an unfortunate truism. Uh, is that management blames employees and employees blame management because we're all victims. Okay. So we're all a victim of ourselves okay. in this big system. Okay. Yeah. Alright, so how do we get to fixing that one? Well, well, we get to fixing it. First of all, there's, uh, there's three keys to, uh, uh, to interfacing and unlocking the responsibility process. Okay. Think of the responsibility process as a natural system just in us, just like a digestive system or a circulatory system. Or an operating system. Right. Okay. Um, and we are an operating system. And so the interface to that system are three uh, abilities that we're all born with. Intention, free will. Okay. Awareness, which we've been talking about. Mindfulness. Yep. Right. Catching ourselves when we're in these states. Yep. Um, and confront, which means the ability to fix. Hold up the mirror to yourself. Hold up the mirror right. and be able to examine your thoughts about what's true that you've been believing in and acting on that's not. Like the moment that you finally got it, that your belief in highly planned linear projects was the only way to go. Okay. Right? Alright. So we all we all if we have upset in our lives, we continue to operate on beliefs that must not be true. Okay. 
So every upset is not going to learn by confronting ourselves and saying, okay, what is there for me to see here? Okay. Like you can be really pissed off about spending an hour in traffic. Right. Or you can get to where you're going in a perfectly joyous mood. Okay, I've heard people say this before, and I get stuck on this because one of the guys that we work with in here came one time, and I said, what about a really horrible day go to? Like, I, I just choose not to have a bad day. I'm like, you know what? I can't. I can't. I'm on the plane. I've been stuck in it for four hours. I'm waiting to get home for all week. I'm pissed. I want to get off the plane. And I can't just sit there and go, eh, I'm excited to be on the plane on my way home. Like, how do you <laughs> get people to that point? Yeah, well, I ask you to look for the evaluation just before that complaint. Okay. So what is, how does it serve you? Does right. it make you feel just or right to be pissed off? Because uh, you want to be pissed off. To be. Well, I think that there's maybe flying on this path. There are times when I'm really pissed off, and I can be have an awareness of yeah, I'm really pissed off. I want to be on this plane. I'm super angry, and but that doesn't necessarily make it go away. I think it just makes me feel more. Angry. Acknowledging that it's there, I guess I'm trying to like so, so the rabbit hole starts to get deep pretty quickly here. Are you ready to go down just a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Further. So you asked me how you know how do you deal with that? Yeah. You let it go. Okay. So this this sounds very simple to say. And maybe once you've practiced it and you develop the muscles to be able to do it, yes. So that's that's some of the choice part. Okay. Awareness, choice, confront. Okay. The truth is that we are all, we are, we all have the capacity to either take something and hold on to it, right, which is generally called resistance, right, right. So we're trying to control, right. So, can I have a pen on me, do you? I have, yes. Okay. So, to write with a pen is a type of control, right. That doesn't mean that you're being manipulative or dealing with resistance. Right, I'm using a tool. Yeah, you're using a tool. But the type of control which has resistance is to try and keep that thing from moving. Okay. Right. Which is actually what you're doing when you're mad on an airplane is you're holding on to. Yes. Wow. Holding on to a judgment or a yeah. belief about what's wrong or bad about that. Yeah. Okay. Instead of and letting, when I say let it go, yeah. to release it, literally, mentally, it's simply analogous to doing this. Okay. All right, I got it. It's and very, it's very zen. I mean, it, and I hate when people use that word. It sounds. It's. Um, we love, we're gonna let go of the fact that we lost <laughs> money. But it, I mean, it's. It's actually very technical. Okay. The responsibility process teaches it's very. So this is a very precise model. Okay. It's a very technical model. It's not fuzzy at all. Okay. It's complicated in application because your life is complicated. And it's going to take a lot of brain power to teach myself to work this. Yeah, and you have a whole set of, of beliefs and ideas and filters in your mind that's different from mine. Right. So that's the complication in applying it because it's extremely personal. Okay. Right. But but it's precise, which means if you learn about it and believe in it and practice it, you will grow very, very rapidly. Okay. And you will learn to. But you're not suggesting that everything that's bad that I encounter, I should just drop it down on the floor because there's some things that we encounter that cause whatever, and there's action you can take to change it. Absolutely. And the thing is that until you drop the pen, 
you can't see the action. You're powerless. Okay, powerless to make the change. All right. So that's the way of unlocking your ability. To so if you, so if you're a coach, and you're blaming the team for not going very fast. Yeah. Right. Um, until you drop that blame, you can't get to this place where you can see how if you showed up different, your team would show up. Okay. This is very cool. All right. All right. So and and so this is down in that rabbit hole. What's going on in your mind? Is that you've got a conflict between what you want. Right. So when you get stopped from what you want, that's what causes you anxiety. Right. And on the other side of that is whatever you think it is that has you stopped. Yeah. Right. And so the more you push on this, force the field theory says yeah. the resistance push. So what you have to identify is you have to identify or let go of the resistance. And then the other thing you can And then you can move towards what you want. Okay. So that's the way you can use force field theory to understand this. Okay. Alright, so goals. Yes. You want to still talk about yeah, goals? Yeah, let's talk about goals for a few minutes. Um, so, we applied the thinking about the responsibility process to why there's so many impotent goals, why there's so many goals individually, performance plans, organizational goals that we just don't make progress towards. Okay. And when you say, I just want, when you say an impotent goal, you mean it? Deciding we have this goal, even though we know we're not. I mean, yeah, goals that goals that aren't powerful, goals okay. that aren't working. Okay. Right. Okay. So, um, I want to be clear that we only came from the perspective of the responsibility process, which means we're really looking at human factors okay. versus advice or frameworks. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, um, and. One of the things we did is, uh, you know, many years ago, I was challenged with the notion that the purpose of the goal, if you think about what is the function of the goal, right? right. And if you ask people, a lot of people write it down, you can get a lot of answers. Right. To identify an end state that's not quite in existence and steps to get there or something like that, right? For me, the purpose of the goal is to put me in motion. Okay. If it doesn't put me in motion, it's not a goal. Yeah. Okay. Think of the word goal. It inspires you or creates a passion in you that you want to take some step toward that. Right. If you think of any sport that has a goal. Yeah. That's the whole reason. The whole object of you being in play. Right. Is to get in motion towards that thing. Okay. Right. Um, so anything that doesn't put me in motion towards a goal uh, is impotent. Okay. Goal. It's okay. just a statement. It might be an assignment or a task, or it might be something we think we should do. Right. Or somebody saying, here's the goal that you have for the next quarter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so what we discovered in, in looking at uh, the most responsible people we know and looking at their goals versus people with, uh, with meeting less goals is we have four characteristics. Okay. The first two, the first two aren't that much different from like, smart goals uh, and other thoughts about goals. First characteristic is it clarifies intention. Wow. Right. Okay. So intention, free will, right. one of our three keys to practicing responsibility. Right. And then clarity. Clarity leads to power. Okay. Right. When we're confused, uncertain, we stop. Okay. So a good goal clarifies intention. And then the second key is it focuses attention. Okay. So intention and attention. Attention is awareness. Okay. Right? It's in your mind. It's what's yeah. occupying your thoughts. It's what your attention is on. So intention and attention are sisters. Okay. Right? 
Yeah. The clearer your intention, the more you're focused okay. towards that. And then the third and fourth keys are the ones that have to do with real human factors. Okay. The third key is that it removes obligation. Okay. So explain that one. Yeah. Well, I know why I want to do something. I can stay locked in on that thing. And then I'm not going to just worry so much about that. How about, how about if we explain it this way? Okay. <clears throat> if you uh, if you have a if you have something that you have to do but don't want to, edit a podcast. How how easy is it to put it off? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> It's amazingly easy, right? And, the, and I know that the longer I put it off, the harder it's going to be to do. Right. So, I have no idea what percentage of the population of this world considers themselves procrastinators, but I don't believe in that as a label. And I don't okay. believe that it's a personality characteristic. Okay. I believe that procrastination is a side effect of obligation. Okay. Procrastination is admitting that you believe you should be doing something you really don't have any interesting. Okay. It doesn't really, there's no juice in it for you. So I always think of procrastination, like if I'm waiting to edit a podcast, I mean, I used to go to the United States there, but I'm at a point where if, something, if I'm leaving something go, I am aware of the fact that I'm choosing to let it go, and the reason I have, I'm, it's not time. I'm not ready, it's not ready, whatever. I'm just not going to hate myself because I'm procrastinating. I'm just going to let it sit. Is that... Well, if that's a choice, then you're not procrastinating. Okay. You're just managing your backlog. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. So what you've admitted to me is you've got too much whip. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So then that turns into anxiety. So then you explain these things by... Yeah, I, I think it does. I tend to let myself off the hook a little bit more because I know that there's a lot of things I'm not going to do. I know that the things that I want to do are really important. And one of the things I learned from a guy who was kind of acting as a coach for me was he inadvertently taught me all that stuff in the backlog. Uh, I want to do all of it. That's why it's in my backlog. So I'm letting it is just because it's not prioritized high enough. Congratulations. <laughs> okay, why? Well, do you know how many people there are in this world that uh, don't have uh, enough to do? Oh, I, that's, and that's the other thing. I, I have so many interests in me. I'm blessed with that because there are people that can't find stuff. Yeah. So what's very cool about that is that you get to choose the top 1% or the yeah. top 5% of all the stuff you could do. Yeah. Now, if you choose the stuff that both is valuable right. and interests you highly, okay. then you're going to be winning all the time. Yeah. And I still get to go down to the red box and hate myself for not doing other stuff. Well, the reason, we do, <laughs> the reason we do all that other stuff is because you're really, really a good person okay. if if you take on all this stuff that you should do even if you don't have time for it. Okay. So obligation is being reinforced but wouldn't it be, for doing what you're supposed to do even if you don't like it. Wouldn't it be healthier to just say, no, I can't do that. I mean correct. But the most responsible people I, I know say no a whole lot more than you do. Okay. Okay. So what you just said is really you just said that I do. So you're the one showing people how to do this, but you're just admitting that you struggle with it. I think the reason that I'm a really good teacher of responsibility is, is because I'm the one that most needs to learn. Okay. I, one of the things I do in my teachings is I, I admit that, I, that I'm human. Okay. 
and I'm very clear about the things that I'm still not learning and struggling with. Okay, that's great. So you look here, able to have a lot of empathy. If only I can tell them we're talking about it. You know, but right, I've dealt with, and so I've been practicing this 26 years. I've dealt with. Let me just make up a number. Sure, I'm not counting. Okay, right, but I've dealt with 15,000 things that I've confronted and right. figured out and changed. Okay, and I've got 15,000 more to go at least. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty, I guess, for somebody who's not even worked on any of the 15,000, it seems overwhelming, but I think when you're walking down the path, once you're walking down it, you're walking down it. And the fact you have 15,000 more, perfect. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a journey. Yeah. It's a journey that never ends because we are programmed that every time something goes wrong, this force field in our minds, anxiety, Right, right. The anxiety triggers the responsibility process, okay. and we either learn and grow, or we don't. We get stuck in coping. So, how would you define your goal for your application of this stuff? Um, my goal is to is to be free, powerful, and choice. Okay. My my goal in applying this is to get to the top of the responsibility process around every frustration and upset as rapidly as possible. Okay, I think that's the way you just also as rapidly as possible, not point where I have eliminated it completely. That's correct. Because it's, like you said, it's built There's only one way to, so people ask me, you know, is there any way to, no, to, no, to, to live in responsibility? Is there any way to get to the top and stay there? Die. Say, yes, there is. Uh, what? Never had anything go wrong. Oh, okay. I was going to say you die. That would get you done. But that's, but, but this is kind of interesting too, which is, do you know people for whom life is mostly perfect most of the time, and they're in good mood and good spirits. Everyone on Facebook. <laughs> no, I mean people who truly are. No. 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 I mean not. Okay. Let me well, ask you hold question. on. I would say I know people that are able to see the joy in everything, even when there's dark stuff. Okay. And I think that's important. Yeah. Right. So it, it turns out that there's a normal curve of how much we are all criticizing, judging, evaluating stuff in our life. Okay. Right. okay. And people at the higher end of that curve are always annoyed, always complaining, always right. unhappy, right? The problems are always out there. Yeah. They've got a lot of evaluation. Yeah. Every one of those evaluations is causing a little angst. Every one of those angst is, is, is adding up to what we call stress. Okay. Okay. And then there's people on the lower end of the curve. Right. Who have learned to stop evaluating, right? Instead of sitting there at the coffee shop at the airport saying, she didn't fill it all the way to the top. Right. Say, well, I'm probably going to drink it all anyway. Right. Okay. I'm going to give her an extra tip and she's having a bad day. Okay. Right. So instead of evaluating, right. make a different choice about how what's happening is perfect given all the antecedents. Okay. But do you think and, per, oh, and when you do that, then the process isn't triggered. Right. So if you can if you can approach zero yeah. on your evaluating everything around you all the time, if you can be approaching zero, then you can live in uh, the state of mindfulness, awareness, yes. responsibility more. Okay. So you talk about let it go. Well, hold on. <laughs> I don't mean to let go of the interview. No, no, I know, I know what you mean. But um, you talked about the mental processing power of working through these different states, and the green ones are higher taxation and the red ones. Is there anything like the decision making 
team that you have in place. I do, I know people who um, very at peace and those, uh, and a lot of them are, and then there's a certain point where they just completely lose it, right? Do, do you get fatigue from this? Is that, is that how? So first of all, let me say that this is a phenomenological study. Um, I, I've not yet been able to attract uh, a lot of science around it. Um, but this is what we've observed. I believe that people who get that decision fatigue are operating from shame and obligation more than from responsibility. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. Responsibility is free. Okay. So an example would be burnout. Yeah. Burnout is not a function of working. Burnout is a function of working hard without just rewards. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. If you're working hard and overcoming obligation, right. and the fourth one that we didn't get to is generating energy, right. because you're getting just rewards, you're being rewarded for the hard work. So I, don't mean, of, I don't mean money. Yeah. I mean your, your uh, uh, internal rewards. Right. Then you know that's restorative. Okay, it's not draining. So it's healthier fuel. Absolutely. So I, I have to make momentum. Like yeah, but I, I'm really glad you asked the question, Dave, because I have we have identified a dynamic just like what you said. Okay. And that is when when we truly believe we are at responsibility. And there's a thing that happens. Ah, there's a thing okay. that happens in my students yeah. and in me. Right. When um, I actually trick myself. Yeah. Into I'm still in terms of my heart. I'm still in obligation. Okay. But I've told myself that I'm owning it. And that okay, that makes a ton more sense because that's where that freak out at the end would happen. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and there have been people, there have been students I have who generate their own anxiety about having to find upsets to take ownership for. Okay. And so that's an obligation that's pulling them down. Wow. That's very meta way of looking at it. But yeah. yeah. So this is something you can think of for I mean, an ongoing thing. Maybe not. I'm going to get to this state. But working on tuning. Yeah let, yeah, let me say this about that. You've been to this state hundreds of thousands of times, millions of times in your life. Okay. Every time you've overcome any challenge, any obstacle, yeah. anytime you've gone, aha, yeah. well I get it now. Right. Right. Anytime you've actually switched um, a belief yeah. from this to that based on your true experience. Okay. Right. Right. You've gone from the bottom of this chart to the top. Okay. So you've already done it. Millions of times. But maybe not, not aware, aware, yeah, no yeah. awareness and not with the kind of mindful attention right That's just like you're not aware of your digestive system or your circulation system most of the time. Right. All we're doing is calling it out, making you aware of it. When you're aware of it, then you can use it to grow more rapidly. So the reason it holds my interest is it's the most powerful, um, most technical um, personal leadership development tool that I know. So, so how, where are you teaching this? Right. So um, we do workshops in organization change consulting, leadership development work. Okay. So my my work is that I work with 
uh, anybody that identifies themselves as a leader of self, a leader of others, or a coach, teacher, coach, sure. who wants to learn and master and apply this okay. for themselves, for their team, uh, for their clients. Okay. Um, and so we do organizational work, uh, a lot of workshops, a lot of public workshops. Okay. Um, and then I have, uh, really my darling, is a program called the Leadership Gift Program. Okay. And this is a hybrid, uh, high-touch, high-tech, e-learning community. Okay. Where we've taken the best stuff that we uh, did with corporate clients and ported it to a online, low-cost delivery system. Okay. So that people from anywhere in the world can access it. And I have people from all over the world who are members of the program. Okay. And, uh, and then, because content is cool, but you know, learning about this doesn't mean that you're applying it. Right. 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 So we have just a core set of modules that we want people to go through 12 hours a week. Okay. The, the bare basics. Um, no fluff. Uh, and then it's an invitation to get together on lots of web calls that we do okay. for mutual support and coaching and, and finding breakthroughs for each other. Wow. Um, and it's a very, very powerful program. We've got lots of graduates and there's lots of people who remain in the program for years and years just because it's, it's an amazing um, tool for themselves. Right. They're never more than a week away from getting on the phone with me. So is it one-on-one -on -one or are they interacting like with the whole community? It's it's group. Okay. So how big how big are the groups? How many groups are there? Um, that's uh, you can come to any call once you're a member. You can come to any call if you want to. Okay. And calls sometimes have five or ten people on them. Sometimes they have twenty or thirty. Okay. Um, but even if you're so so many times, uh, you know, we talked to people after calls and, and said you know you didn't really get to do or say anything, and they said oh man I I got so much just from listening. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's very powerful, very stimulating. That's going to be very rewarding for you as well when you see it change people. It's very rewarding for me because uh, the leadership gift program uh, asks the most of me. Okay. And the reason they ask the most of me is that most of what we're doing when I'm speaking, uh, we're doing public workshops, corporate work, is I call it kind of the one hundred and one. Yeah over and over and over again. Right. And in this program, we've got people who have gone the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Okay. Like yeah. you mentioned, uh, Agile coach Ashley Johnson earlier today. Right. Uh, Ashley has been in this program for eight years. Wow. That's awesome. So it's a membership program. Yeah. And it's low cost, and you uh, only stay as long as you're getting value. Okay. So if people want to find out about it, they can go to T-H-E, yeah. so T-H-E-Dot-Leadershipgift-Dot-Com. Okay. Yeah, Okay. And if they want to learn more about you? ChrisandGreegory.com. Okay. And we've got the Twitter out there, and they can get the robot out of Wherever great books are sold. All right, cool. This was really great. Thank you. This Thank you so much. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. Uh, keep watching. We're going to be doing these all week long here in 2017. Thanks.